Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Antonio Conte attacked his Tottenham players and the entire culture and direction of the football club after his side let a two-goal lead slip at Southampton. In an astonishing outburst, he branded his players selfish and said they could only play for themselves and suggested there was a culture of underachievement at the club. So, will his exit as boss come sooner rather than later? And were any of his criticisms valid? I'm Ian Irving and this is the Athletic Football Podcast. Hampton at the bottom of the table, James Ward-Prowse. He really needs to find the net here for Southampton, and he has! Oh, what joy at St Mary's! Tottenham were in such a good position here at 3-1 up. The problem is that for another time we show that we are not a team. We are 11 players that go into the pitch. I see selfish players. I see players that uh, don't want to, to help each other, don't put the art. The players? Where are the players? I see only 11 players that play for uh, themselves. So that was the Tottenham boss for now, Antonio Conte, with his post-match rants at the weekend. They were witnessed by the Athletics' Jack Pitbrook, who's with me now, and also joining us uh, is the Italian football writer James Horncastle. Jack, first of all, have you ever experienced anything quite like that? No, Ian, uh, I've never experienced anything quite like that. I've never seen a manager willingly destroy his re- the, whatever remains of his relationship with his players in that way, and frankly, mm. drag the whole club through the mud. Uh, it was really amazing. I mean, I know that with I know that Antonio Conte is prone to emotional outbursts. It's been a feature of his entire career, and to an extent, you can't. Do you think so? Yeah, and so, so to an extent, these are kind of like priced in. But even then, like this was another level from anything I think we've seen before. I don't know if James can tell us if he's ever been quite this brutal in Italy. But to destroy the whole team, it made me think there's no way back. I know he hasn't been sacked yet, but it made me think he can't he can't manage the team at Goodison Park on the third of April. James? Look, I mean, this has been a hallmark of Conte's career to the point that it defines him uh, more than his winning track record. Um, because, you know, with the exception of his brief spell in charge of Atalanta, you know, he's always won wherever he's been, but he's always had a moment like this at every club uh, that he's been at. I think what was quite unusual watching the press conference was how vociferous he was in turning against the players, the culture of the club. I've seen him do that before, but he's usually been much more protective of his players, which I think really shows the kind of frustration that he has with them. But it's not the first time he's gone after executives or owners. You know, I mean, he did that at Inter, for example. One of the most memorable phrases he had was like, palacca di merda, which is piles of shit. 
that uh, him and the players <laughs> have had to take uh, instead of executives and owners. And, you know, Jack will be familiar with this as well, that he has routinely made this point whilst he's been at Spurs that he is the one person who has to front up whenever things go wrong at Spurs. If there's a defeat, if there's a bad performance, it's always him. He has to take the responsibility. Executives don't come down and speak like they do in Italy, although that was a bone of contention he had at Inter. The owners don't talk like past owners he's worked for have, you know, at, for example, Juventus, at Siena, at uh, Bari. Um, yeah, diff different calibre of club. This is Antonio Conte, but... Uh, at the end of the day, Spurs exac knew exactly what they were getting uh, when they appointed him. You know, I, I think that was probably clear from the very first Zoom call that they had with him when he initially turned them down <laughs> and didn't join the club in the in the summer, and they had to appoint Nuno instead. So this has been coming um, in, in in some respects, but. Yeah, it's still spectacular when it happens. I think it was right that Tottenham knew what they were getting when they appointed Conte. I also think Conte knew what he was getting when he signed up to manage Tottenham. Yeah. You know, he knew this is not going to be a yes. team that was going to be able to financially challenge Man City and Man United. And yet, both Conte and Tottenham have acted as if they've been let down somehow by the other party in this weird marriage. And yet, I, I think that both of them are being quite self-serving in doing so because... Both of them knew what the other one was going to be like. I, as it happens, I think Tottenham have compromised a bit more for Conte than Conte compromised for Tottenham. That's probably not how Conte sees it himself. I think neither of them can really have any legitimate complaints about the about the conduct of the other because everybody knew, like everybody knew that Conte was going to blow up like like this at some point, and everybody knew that Tottenham were were not going to sign Antonio Conte four hundred million pounds worth of players. We'll get back into the, the, the detail of, of what happened on Saturday after the Southampton draw in a moment. But Jack, the point that you just made really about each of the parties knowing what was coming from the other side and the fact that they almost both feel like they've been let down in a sense. Does this speak to a wider almost identity crisis for Tottenham in terms of exactly what they want to be, what their ambitions are, who should be in charge, the way that they should be managed? What, what do you think? Yeah, I certainly think it, there's a, quite a lot of uh, what you might call disalignment in terms of Tottenham's overall strategy, which is that they, you know, their budget puts them what around sixth or seventh in the in the Premier League. They don't spend a huge amount of salaries compared to other teams. They don't spend a huge amount on players that they have spent more recently, and yet the managers that they go for are managers as if they're as if they're right at the very top of the pile. Like they, you know, Mourinho is is not a manager who who takes on projects for teams that can't really win. I don't think. And Conte certainly is a manager who his whole ex his whole career really is about winning league titles. That's what Conte set up to do. He's not a guy who builds for five years to to hand over something better to the next guy. He's someone who who exists to win league titles. And yet, if if you get Conte, and then you give him the tools, which really you know a squad which should really be coming, I don't know, third, fourth, fifth, it doesn't really fit, does it? This has been true through the whole Conte reign, and I think a lot of people, me probably, you know, from me to Daniel Levy. I've just kind of assumed that it would probably be all right just because Conte is such a good manager. They could make it work and compromise. And yet, I, I think the reality of it has shone through this season, which is that it doesn't fit and it doesn't work. I was intrigued what you said before, James, as well, about the sense that he's almost becoming defined by his temperament rather than his achievements on the football pitch. Because no matter what you think of what happened on, on Saturday after the game, the whole purpose of Antonio Conte 
opening up wasn't to damage Antonio Conte, certainly was it, whatever his motivation was, but almost it seems like it has damaged him. It has. I mean, I look at it now and think, well, where does Antonio go from here, um, particularly in England? Because I think his reputation is established now here. People forget what he did in his first season at Chelsea when you know, Guardiola was in his first year at Man City. Klopp had been at uh, Liverpool for six months. United were managed by Mourinho, who went and signed Pogba, who went and signed Mkhitaryan, Ibrahimovic, all these players, and he, he won the league. You know, which is an astonishing achievement regardless of what you think Chelsea were about back then. They were coming off a Mourinho season, <laughs> as he said. The one thing that I would say in his defence is that it feels to me that this team has never really moved on from Mauricio Pochettino, that maybe this club has never really moved on from Pochettino, that they've tried. They've got a core group of players, ultimately, that's still the same. You know, it's Yoris, OK, he's injured at the moment. There's Dyer, there's Davies, there's Son, there's Kane... Um, yes, they've invested in the team. They've they've backed Conte. We saw that in the kind of injection of capital that they had in the summer. We've seen that in them signing Richarlison and uh, Bentancourt and Kulusevski. But it's still the sixth biggest net spend in in the Premier League this season. And and in terms of the culture of the club, it is a culture that hasn't changed. There is a feeling that you know. I mean, how many times are we having to hear people that aren't Sir Alex Ferguson saying, "Lads, it's Tottenham." It's it's Chiellini saying it's the history of Tottenham. It's Conte now saying this is Tottenham. I do think it does go deeper than the manager. The unusual thing for me is that Conte has, he's always left clubs. Okay, it can be in, in acrimonious circumstances and it sometimes looked like it's backfired on him. Like, for example, when he resigned from Juventus, he said it was like work. It was like going into a, a, a restaurant where it's 100 euros ahead and you've got 10 euros in your pocket. And the next season, what happened? They won the league again under Allegri and they also made the Champions League final. At Inter, he walked out saying, they can't match my ambition. And Lukaku was sold, Hakimi was sold. And you know what? Inter took the title race down to the final day. They didn't retain their title, but they won a Coppa Italia and they won a Super Cup and they got out of the group stage of the Champions League, which is something that they couldn't do under Conte. <laughs> In some respects, the, th the thing with Spurs is he may have laid some groundwork here where the next manager goes and win something because invariably after Conte there is some kind of sustaining endurable success there I think his frustration ultimately at Spurs lies with he's not been able to bend this team to his will and yeah I, I suppose some fans will say well they play 3-5-2 that's his way they've recruited for that way but I don't think Conte sees the mentality that he expects of you know after working for the club for more than a year He'd expect to have influenced the players more. And they don't seem to have changed. Now, some of that will be on him, but some of it will be on the players as well. And I can't remember a Conte side being less Conte than, you know, when he was briefly in charge of Atalanta and ultimately got sacked. That was his first top flight job. Because he's always been able to get under the skin of his players. He's always been able to make his players seem like an extension of him, like he's controlling them by remote from the sidelines. And you just don't see that at Tottenham. And I don't know what that is. I don't know whether that's an incompatibility between him and the players. I don't know whether it's because there have been changes to his staff. They've been. It's been really difficult to have continuity this year because you look at, for example, they started the season, what, seven games undefeated? They lose the North London derby. Emerson Royale gets sent off when they go 2-1 behind, kind of kills that. They then lose Kulusevski and Romero in the game against Manchester United. 
and they start to go on a bad run. Son has his eye socket um, smashed against Marseille and uh, is a doubt for the World Cup. It's been quite difficult for them to, to have any kind of continuity, um, considering some of the existing flaws in the starting eleven for me. I mean, Jack will speak better than I do on this because I think towards the second half of last season, Dyer and Davies played really well at the back. I'm flabbergasted that a Conte team is, st- is, is playing with those two guys at the back. Uh, I'm flabbergasted that they've they've not invested in that position more than they have beyond putting everything into Romero. <laughs> okay, they've got Longley on loan, but and then I look at the midfield, for example. Whenever Conte's had success, apart from with it, at Chelsea, really, he's had a deep lying midfield player who has been able to dictate the tempo of the game in a, in a way better than Hoiberg does. And Bentancur's yeah, sort of out for the season. They've had a lot of issues this year, and they're still, in spite of each other, really, still in, in, in contention for fourth place. It's kind of maddening, really. Uh, they don't want to play under pressure. They don't want to play under stress. <laughs> yeah, it's easy in this way. And Tottenham, Tottenham's story is this. 20 years that there is the owner and never won something. I don't want to see what I have seen today because this is unacceptable. I'm not used to this position. What's it been like living it, Jack? <laughs> um, it's been weird because the, the strange thing about this season is that they've been so much worse than they were last season. The second half of last season, they were actually really good, I thought. From about February, March through to the end, they looked like a team who was sort of one, two steps away, let's say, from from really challenging the big boys this year. And it was very easy to get caught up in it and to think that, you know, this had been a brilliant appointment and the Spurs were, were back. And this season they've been terrible. Like they've been, I know the league form isn't that, the, the league results haven't been disastrous. You know, they, they would have gone third if they'd won on Saturday, which is amazing, really. But they've been, like, the, like style-wise, they've been ugly to the point of being unwatchable. They've never, I think they've only really once played well, like for a whole 90 minutes. And that was when Conte wasn't there, when they beat Manchester City a few weeks ago. They have, and there's just been a really bad vibe around the whole place. Like when Conte made those comments on Saturday, what he was doing was bringing out into the open what people have known behind the scenes for a while, which is that Conte and the players are completely fed up with each other. And it's all very well Conte blaming the players for be, for not being motivated enough and, and everything. But the fact is, he's paid £15 million a year to motivate the players. And the fact that he can't get a tune out of them anymore shows that his, you know, the, the, the kind of impact of his methods is worn out, I think. Um, and in that sense, it actually mirrors quite a lot of the Mourinho cycle at Spurs, who, you know, had a short-term boost when he came in. And then the players got fed up with him really, really quickly which I think should say something to the Spurs about the type of managers that they employ who work in short-term cycles when the players aren't quite good enough to get results over the short term. Um, but yeah, it's been it, it's been a very, very difficult season. And look, it's, we, we, we've also got to acknowledge the fact that Conte's been through hell himself. You know, he's lost, you know, I think the loss of Giampiero Ventrone hit everyone at Spurs very hard. He was a very, you know, he was both an important part of Conte's staff, but also a very close person to Conte. And on top of that, Conte's lost two, two dear friends at home in Italy, uh, Mihailovic and Viali. Plus, he's been very ill. Like, you know, he had a very serious surgery, which has took, uh, effectively cost him about six weeks of the season itself. So, Conte has suffered a lot too. But the overall mood at Tottenham this season has been terrible. I think if he, if he goes, gets sacked this week, and I think that's possible, 
it will not be because of results. It'll be because of the mood, which is often the way really with Tottenham managers. You know, AVB was sacked because the mood was so bad rather than the results. Uh, Mourinho was sacked ultimately because the mood was bad, so bad rather than, than the results themselves. But it's just, I think Conte, if he leaves this week, I think Conte will be frustrated, he'll be frustrated I think to the point of embarrassment that he he failed he has not done any better than Mourinho I know he came fourth last year but he's not really changed the club any more than Mourinho did right okay then let's bring it back to post-match on Saturday at St Mary's because it's time to change the situation if Tottenham wants to change if they want to continue in this way they can they can change manager a lot of manager but the situation cannot change You've said a few times during the course of the podcast already, Jack, of how we've got to this point with Antonio Conte. But sitting there in that room when he walked in, did you sense that that was coming? Well, it's a strange time because we the first thing to say is that he came in quite late. It was like between six and quarter past six when he came in. And obviously the game finished at ten to five. So it had been a long wait. And obviously in that time, we're thinking, oh God, has he resigned? Has he quit? Has he been sacked? We finally saw a tweet from BBC journalists saying that he just he's just spoken to the BBC and is very critical of his selfish players. And you think, well, <laughs> on the one hand, he's still in the job, which is good. On the other hand, he, when he comes in, it's going to be you know he's going to have a lot to say. But even then, I don't think anybody would have expected this sort of ten minute performance that we got from Conte, which was unlike like I said, unlike anything I've ever seen before. You wonder what he would have said if he got beat, Jack. It was only a draw. <laughs> I think nobody had the heart to say, uh, to ask him if he thought it was a good point in the circumstances. <laughs> but, um, but, but yeah, it was it, it was quite amazing. I think we all watched, you know, we, we, we sat there watching it with a bit, you know, kind of awestruck, really. I, tr- I tried and failed to get a question in. I was going to ask him, do you, you know, do you still want the job or do you want to be sacked? Because I part part of me does think he wants to be sacked. I know he loves, he kind of he loves the competition. He loves training the players, of going out on the pitch and winning. But I, you know, I think I don't think people at Tottenham think he wants to be there anymore. I don't think he's really been the same for you know for a while now. Really, and, you know, he's pretty fed up with with the players, and the players are clearly very fed up with him. I think it all comes back to. Yeah, he turned the job down in the first place. I mean, it was a big surprise, Jack. I think to to both of us that he he accepted when they they sacked Nuno because what had changed, other than the fact he'd been out of the game for a couple of months and was getting itchy feet. They just needed him more as well, James. Then his 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 hand was was even stronger. I think was it? There was maybe a little bit more certainty because as as, as much as as much as we've spent the last year, even last summer sort of wondering, is Conte going to stay on for a second season? Is Conte going to commit to a new contract? At that time, I think in the summer when they were uh, talking to him to appoint him, it was unclear whether Harry Kane was going to be at the club. At that time, it looked like Kane was going to go to Manchester City and transfer window closed, City didn't sign him, he stayed at Spurs and yeah, they got rid of Nuno and I think he was like, okay, there's a top striker I can work with because let's not forget one of Conte's most memorable press conferences whilst he's been at Spurs was when he was quoting his friend, the sporting director at Lecce, Pantaleo Corvino, where he says, you can marry the wrong wife, you can't sign the wrong striker. Ultimately, he had Harry Kane, so that was that was something that he had going for him. But fundamentally, the club is still set up the same as it, as it all, has always been. And this is the thing that surprises me about Conte and his inability to look for the, to the long term and say, actually, you're in a really good position being at Spurs. 
because that that's that stadium is is the bank that you kind of is the bankomat the the ATM that you kind of need to to bankroll the kind of spending that you expect. If you if you, if you give it another season, another season after that, you'll you'll see the benefit of it. And instead, he's not he's not capable of that. You know, he wants everything here and now. Because he's almost, and he feels this, and he's spoken about this, he feels a victim of his own success in that he is the guy who is an instant winner. And if he doesn't win right away, he anticipates the criticism he's, he's going to get, even though, he, even though it's, not, it's not been forthcoming. It was surprising to me that he, he accepted to take the, the job in the, in the first place. And, you know, if he does get sacked, and if, as seemed likely, even if he he doesn't get sacked, he leaves at the end of the season. I do look at it and think, well, where does he go? Because in the Premier League, I can't see a team unless it's a, a team that's taken over by owners who have state wealth behind them, thinking he's right for them. I look in Italy at this moment in time. I don't know what's going to happen with Juventus, but you know, Juventus perhaps aren't going to have the kind of money to spend that he expects, even though it's you know something that is very close to his heart. Still lives in Turin when he's not. In a hotel in London, Milan is set up completely differently. Don't want to spend more than thirty million on a player, an Inter, an estate, and Inzaghi. <laughs> Simone Inzaghi, just to go off on a tangent, made this point on Wednesday when Inter made the quarterfinals of the Champions League. He's like, "You're all slaughtering me all the time in the press, but let's not forget that. Yeah, you won a league title under Antonio Conte, but that brought a lot of financial problems to the club. Signing Lukaku, signing Barella." saying all these players that really, you know, you perhaps couldn't afford to do. And yet I've been at the club when he left and I've won a Coppa Italia, I've won a Super Cup, I've got us into the knockout stages of the Champions League and I've got us to a quarterfinal of the Champions League. And you know what? We've got a really good chance of breaking the semifinal, maybe a final. And so I don't know where he goes after this. Yeah, it's kind of short-sighted in, 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 in some respects not to see how good a job this could be at Tottenham. For him, Jack. In terms of the specifics of what he said, obviously there was the the long term question of, of the direction of the club, the fact they'd not won something for for twenty years or so, pointing name at the owners. But obviously, it was the players who got the brunt of the criticism, calling them selfish. Is there any part of that that you that you felt was justified? It's interesting. Quite quite a few Spurs fans have said to me in the last few days that they actually agree. Even though they, you know, they recognise what a disruptive thing it is that Conte said this, they they agree with parts of what he said. Why selfish as well, Jack? Well, after what Richarlison said, I imagine it's it's that kind of attitude. I took it to mean that he that he wants players to to want to suffer for the good of the team, and really, you know, put themselves out there to run fifteen kilometres a game and. Uh, and not and do stuff they don't enjoy. He wants the players to go to places they don't want to go to, and he wants them to do it willingly because they they really believe in him. And the evidence of Tottenham this season that they haven't. You know, last season they actually looked really. You know, you could sense a lot. There was a lot of buy-in from the Tottenham squad into Conte's ideas. Whereas this season, they've looked pretty pretty miserable, and they haven't been playing like they did last year. Now Conte thinks that's their fault. You know, if you were more sympathetic, and some Spurs fans will probably agree with him, if you were more sympathetic to players, you could say, well, it's Conte's fault. It's the job of the manager to motivate the players. It's the job of the manager to convince the players that his methods are right. And when the manager can't convince the players to follow his methods, there's no point in him being manager anymore. I suppose what you could say is that it's 
damning that the Spurs players should have had more appetite for Conte than they have had. And they shouldn't be getting bored of Conte after only half a season, which I think ultimately is what has happened. And, you know, Spurs players got bored of Mourinho, they got bored of Conte, and and there'll be some fans out there who say they were a little bit too soft and they want it all a little bit, they want it to come a bit too easily for them. But I don't know. I mean, the fact is that in modern football, you have to deal with the dressing room that you have. You know, you have to, even though modern players aren't, you know, modern players are different and maybe they don't want to get screamed at quite as much as players used to. Like, that's just the reality of the game, I think. I think Conte's being unrealistic when he says if he thinks that the players should always have had the appetite to run through brick walls for him. This is a paid advertisement from Better Health Therapy Online. Do you ever get that feeling that you need to get something off your chest? We all carry around different stressors, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to release and discuss those thoughts and feelings and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. All you need to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a licensed therapist. And if things don't click, you can switch to someone new at any time with no additional charge. With over 1,000 therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. And because you listen to this podcast, you can get 10% off your first month of online therapy by heading to betterhelp.com slash athleticfootball. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash athleticfootball with no spaces. Hello, I'm Mark Chapman and this week on the Athletic Football Podcast we're bringing you a two-part special on the future of football. What will the expanded 48-team World Cup look like? And is it actually such a terrible idea? Plus, UEFA against FIFA, a Super League in disguise. How would you feel if your team became part of a multi-club model? There is a lot to get stuck into. Matt Slater, Adam Crafton and Laura Williamson will be with us. Just search for the Athletic Football Podcast wherever you listen. There's a couple of articles that you've written about the situation with Antonio Conte and Spurs post the weekend, Jack. They're up on The Athletic at the moment. The interesting uh, sort of phrase that you've coined almost is that the dressing room has lost the manager, not the manager's lost the dressing room, which we hear all the time. I totally get your point, James, on Richarlison. You know, we we thought that his comments would be the most eye-catching of the month at Tottenham Hotspur, but obviously Antonio Conte's uh, taken that to a whole another level. But some of the players who have put themselves forward as as people who have tried to work with his methods, have tried hard to to play his way, representatives of the team. I'm thinking Harry Kane straight away as as captain um, with, with Hugo Lloris not playing, and the the different sort of leaders in that group. How are they going to feel about? what he's had to say. What are Kane's plans beyond this summer? Uh, I mean, again, something Jack will know better than I do. I mean, I think there's, there's uncertainty there as there is with, with, with Conte's future, which ultimately comes back to the club. Yeah, they've appointed Mourinho, they've appointed Conte, who are win-now managers, and they haven't won. We're back at a situation where Kane, probably quite rightly, thinks, well, what do I what do I do in the last kind of chapter of my career? Do I see it out here or do I go elsewhere? In terms of leaders in the dressing room, you know, Yoris is, what, 36 and has, has got this injury. You've then got 
okay, that same core of player, players who've played, what, 2,000 games for Spurs now, <laughs> of, of Kane, Son, Davies, Dyer, Yoris. It's one thing to have a, a core group of senior players like that. It, it's another when you look at the kind of refreshment that this squad has needed. I mean, you know, when Pochettino got them to a Champions League final on the back of, what, a summer where they didn't spend anything, they then went and spent a load of money and missed on everything. Ndombele, Bergwijn, Cessignon, Lo Celso, Doherty, whose contract they've just terminated, Carlos Vinicius, you know, there's almost two years there where they've just wasted and they've thrown they've thrown a load of money away, which, you know, I think, again, leads us to the, 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 to the part that the, the players that you can maybe depend on and rely on have got a lot of uh, a lot of miles on the clock now. And whoever takes on this project next, it is going to take some time. I don't think there is going to be a, there is going to be a quick fix. And yet their reaction to that has always been, as Jack has said, to, to, to appoint short-term managers. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know what, what future the future holds for the senior players in that squad, whether it's, it is time to make a definitive break from this and, and, and start completely afresh. I think now is the time to start afresh, basically, and to press, to press reset and to not, not just try and do not just try and get in one more famous short-term manager in the hope that he will be any better than than Mourinho or Conte has proved to be. You know, it's, this tactic has not worked at Tottenham over the last four years. I think I think what they should do now is start again with a new manager, even if that means you know it means the end of a lot of these senior players who've been there for a long time. I don't. I think um, even even if it means, for example, Harry Kane would say hypothetically. That's fine if you want to go in a different direction with a new manager, but I'm going to take my future elsewhere. Maybe I think they have got a difficult decision to make about uh, Son as well, who has whose form has gone off the cliff this season in a way which is so bad it does make you wonder if it's actually a decline rather than just a blip. So I, th- I think it is time for a reset. Personally, I don't expect that to happen because I think that it's... I don't really think it's what Tottenham want to do. I don't think they do want to take a step back for the possibility of taking two steps forward down the line. I I think they were, you know, there's a big. They want to stay relevant. They want to stay in the in the minds of the world, and that means that I, I expect. And you know, there's it's only the twentieth of March. There's lots of time left. You know, next season doesn't start until August. There's a, a huge amount of time between now and then. I think it's likelier that they don't do a reset they get another famous short-term manager and they try this whole thing one more time I don't think it'll work but I think that's what they're probably going to do that's the longer term challenge then for Tottenham just to round off the podcast Jack what do you see being the short-term future for the club and Antonio Conte it's day one of a two-week international break he'll make the decision as well after Antonio Conte's press conference at Southampton the first thing the main thing I thought was his job is now completely untenable he's made his job untenable he can't manage the team at Everton on the 3rd of April they didn't sack him on Sunday it's Monday at the moment they haven't sacked him yet even even though it looks like I'm being proved wrong hour by hour I still think I'm right I still (laughs) I still think I still think he can't be manager for Everton how can he be how can he manage the team when he's just destroyed them all in public. I would still expect him not to be manager for Everton, although I appreciate that I am currently in the wrong about this. Ultimately, it will be Daniel Levy's decision. Clearly, you know, Fabio Paratici is a figure there as well, and he he may well be more more supportive of Conte than Levy is, but I uh, it will come down to Levy, and I think, you know, this is only heading in one direction, even if 
maybe at most it happens that they they don't manage to resolve it in the next week or two Conte takes Everton and then we see where we are after that but it's it's only heading in one way okay well it goes without saying doesn't it keep a very close eye on the athletic for the very latest on Antonio Conte and his future Jack James thank you so much for joining us remember if you're not a subscriber you can take advantage of the offer at the moment £1.99 a month for the first 12 months by going to theathletic.com forward slash football pod but for the minute thank you for listening and we'll see you on the next one bye bye The Athletic